something to note is like it never becomes easier actually like as you go along like it becomes harder so that's something that i didn't expect you are listening to running remote a podcast about building and scaling effective distributed teams join us as we dive inside the minds and processes of ceos managers nomads and dynamic entrepreneurs who are building impactful businesses and organizations through this new and innovative movement They've thrown out the traditional rules and business textbooks and are actively finding new ways of organizing their teams, driving productivity, and scaling their growth. I'm your host, Stephanie Burns. Today's episode is brought to you by Running Remote, the world's largest remote work conference. Check out the speaker lineup at runningremote.com and get 20% off your ticket for being a podcast listener. Simply use code IRUNREMOTELY and your 20% discount will automatically be applied. Thanks for listening. everyone. Welcome back to the Running Remote Podcast. I'm your host, Stephanie Burns. And today I have with me Amir Sally Hefendich, the founder and CEO of Duist. How are you, Amir? I'm pretty good. Yeah, I'm looking forward for this. I'm so excited that you joined me today. Where are you in the world right now? I just came to Santiago, Chile a few days ago, and I'm going to stay here for about three months. My wife is from Chile, so we kind of switch between Barcelona and Chile. Our current basis is in Barcelona. Oh, how cool. So before we dig in and talk about Duist and your thoughts on remote work, can you give us some background on you? Sure. So I was born in Bosnia. I grew up in Denmark and I've probably not lived in Denmark for like over 10 years. And I have basically lived like in different countries around the world, Chile, Portugal, Spain, Bosnia, Taiwan. Then I actually never had like an office job. So I have always worked remotely, probably 10, 15 years now. Wow. And what made you want to always work remote? Well, honestly, like I really grew up on the internet and a lot of the passions I had, for instance, like development and like just like doing random projects, uh, creating random stuff was always like on the internet. So that's also how I met and got jobs. And, like I just grew up with that kind of like mindset. So where did you start? You know, I started like first on my own personal projects i just like created them and published them and people used them and i even like sold some of them very early on and then at some point i also got like to co-found like a social network i think i was probably like 22 or 23 when i got that offer the co-founders were indian canadian and the other one was like a malaysian chinese and we actually live on different continents that's kind of how we co-founded the social network which is kind of like a bit insane but it was also very inspiring like we actually mostly talked via chat. We didn't have many meetings. And we were just like creating this social network that is actually still running today. If you go on plurk.com, you will kind of see this like really weird creation that we did. Uh, yeah. <laughs> That's very cool. So for anybody that is listening to our podcast that doesn't know of Duist, but in case, can you give us some background on Duist? Sure. So like right now we are 73 people spread, I think, in over 25 countries, many time zones. And we are kind of like a remote first company. It's like this means we don't really have central offices, stuff like that. And we are also, I think, like spread almost across all continents right now, which is kind of like a bit, uh, you know, insane, but also very inspiring. And what is the mission of Duist? We have two tools right now, which is Todoist, a task management app, 
it's kind of like one of the most popular ones on the market and then we have another tool called twist which is like asynchronous team communication and i think like our mission is to kind of create a modern way to work together and also like create tools that enable modern types of working and also like processes like we have a very popular blog and we share all of the stuff that we learn along the way so i would definitely say like invent the future of work that we want to be part of so how do you define culture at Duist? I read like a really good book recently by Ben Horowitz. The title is What You Do Is Who You Are. So I think like culture isn't really like the mission statement or like the core values or whatever else. It's really like what you do. Maybe even what people do like when nobody's really looking. So that's how I really define it. It's the actions that people take. And how have you tried to foster culture among the 70 plus people that you have that are all over the world? I think like one of the most central parts is hiring the right people, especially like early on. Like so, if you're just starting out, you really need to nail the first ten highest that you do, because that will kind of like define the core culture that you have. But even like as you you know scale upwards, you kind of like need to be really picky who you actually hire. And of course, like as you go along, like it actually becomes maybe easier to hire but also harder. So like some of our job posting, we have like thousands of applicants and uh, we are still like very, very picky of who we actually hire. So I, I would definitely see it's kind of like it's hiring. That's the first step. And then I think also like on the way that you actually construct your company and like the processes inside it matters a lot. So for instance, for us, like trust is very important and we are basically trust first. So for instance, just to give you an example, we don't really track people, like we don't know how much they work and a lot of other processes are kind of like also very free. So for instance, like people can work uh, whenever they want from whatever location they want. Other stuff like for instance, expenses or something like that, people have like a credit card they can use and there's like very little hand-holding or stuff because we treat people as adults and we also are trust first. So I think like you can do both hiring and then also just like how you set up the company and the processes inside it. So I definitely want to talk about processes here in a second, but I, I want to talk about your hiring process first. When you're looking for the perfect hire, what kinds of things do you put in place to ensure that you do that? Yeah, I mean, we have a, a great rule, and it is, uh, this is actually like a great life rule. I'm unsure if you know Derek Sivers, and he has like a great life philosophy that's called like hell yeah. So when we actually hire, it needs to be like a hell yeah from multiple person. So we don't actually hire somebody if it's kind of like yes or like maybe. So the person that really want to hire, like it needs to excite the persons that are part of the hiring committee. So that's, I think, like one of the golden rules that we have. Another thing is also just like, you know, having some core values that you hire for. So for instance, for us, it's kind of like communication and it's especially like written communication. That's kind of like Alpha and Omega in like a remote first company. So the people that we hire, like really need to be very good at like a written communication. So I think like defining like the core values that you have and also like really setting the bar high and setting it even higher as you go along, I think are quite quite critical like hiring tips. And so where are you looking for your hires? Initially, as you start out and you don't really have a name for yourself, I really think that you need to use like any kind of tool that you have available job boards, you know, headhunting people, going on like Reddit, subreddits and finding people through there. Like initially we have used like all of these things mm -hmm. to hire like that and find that the first people. But after you have like built some scale and like build a name for yourself, then most of our current hires come actually directly to us. So initially I think that like, you need to do a lot of work and then as you go along and build a bigger, bigger company, 
like people actually come to you just kind of a better problem to have but still i think like there's a lot of also job boards right now like remote first job boards that you can use so yeah maybe you can also get some amazing leads through there sure. uh, yeah so that's about it. so you're you're saying that you're you're out there and you're defining your values and that's helping you to find more quality people so that you could hopefully get to that hell yes person exactly so i think also like something that you need to do is kind of like communicate, you know, what you stand for as well and like have a presence that's quite critical, I think. So when you're putting together your processes, what are some of the things that you've identified that are extremely important to get right in the beginning when you're starting to build your remote team? I think something that, that is fascinating is like, I think actually the beginning is quite easy. When you're like be under 20 people, you don't actually need to have a lot of processes. People probably know each other very well and kind of like maybe any kind of organizational system works. Personally, I find like much more challenging as you like build a much larger team, maybe like over 50 people. That's where you actually hit roadblocks and you really need to like be very thoughtful about how you manage and like create the processes that, that you need. But maybe like in the beginning, almost any kind of like thing can work as long as you have like motivated and passionate people. But as you go along, I think like it becomes much more critical to actually have the processes in place and structures in place that can support like many more people, especially for remote workers. I mean, I'm actually unsure where I read this, but the problem also with, with uh, remote companies is you need to create processes in place much earlier than like office companies like non-remote companies so that's also something like maybe like for a normal company they only need to begin thinking about like processes when they are like 50 people while maybe for a remote company you need to like start to do that like when you're 20 or something like that yeah i don't really have precise numbers but yeah what are some of the challenges that you've faced having that many remote workers all over the world what are some of the challenges that you're overcoming like something to note is like it never becomes easier actually like as you go along like it becomes harder so that's something that i didn't expect so actually like i think one of the best times is actually the early time when you're like 10 people like hacking around and just like doing some cool stuff once you become like many more people you know things become much harder to do and also like there's like no book you can actually read about this because it's kind of like very new structure mm. a new way of working together so there's like no, and you know, of course you can kind of like read how others are doing it, but it doesn't really tell you much. So I still feel like we kind of like need to invent the best practices. Um, <laughs> That's what we're hoping to suss out on this podcast with founders like yourself. <laughs> yeah, there's definitely a lot of like innovation happening. Yeah, and uh, but still, like I don't think there's like definitive ways of doing that. What are some of the tools that you use within your team to keep everybody organized, communicating? you know, those kinds of things. We use mostly our own tools. So we use Twist as like the asynchronous communication hub. And, you know, we have like posted over 500,000 comments and threads and over 1 million messages on Twist. So we use that a lot to just like communicate. And then we use also Todoist for like managing projects and like organizing stuff. And then different teams use different other tools. So for instance, like our development teams use github our designers use like figma and like abstract and sketch and stuff like that tools matter a lot but also like the culture that you have matters a lot especially like you know how you communicate how important communication is you know what kind of com communication do you value those are i think very critical questions to answer and then maybe tools and stuff like that come afterwards so what are what are some of those things for for you and your team do you have any communication protocols that you've used 
I mean, for us, it's kind of like we kind of try to do most things in an asynchronous fashion. So maybe like 70% of our communication is done in an asynchronous way. And then 30% is kind of like synchronous. So this means like meetings and one-on-one chats and stuff like that. So I, I think that's kind of like the split we have made. And of course, like some other companies might do some other splits. So maybe 50-50 or like even some companies, you know remote companies, they are still using like real-time chat as a core of their communication platform. There's like no silver bullet here. And it really depends like what kind of like company you want to build, how you want to structure it. So for instance, you can probably use real-time communication if we are just spread around a few time zones. If you really want to like communicate across time zones, then you kind of like need to go more in an asynchronous way in order to scale it. For anyone that's listening that has maybe a very small team of remote workers that's looking to scale up to the size that you're running or or has a team that wants to take them remote, what advice would you give them? That's a very hard question. (laughs) Um, I think in the beginning, what is really the core problem is like creating something that people actually want to use and like solving the product market fit. So what I would actually recommend is like spend your energy there and then as you actually add people then you can kind of like optimize the processes and like structures that's at least what we have done i think like doing like premature optimization can actually hurt you because like what you need to do when you're like 70 maybe is not the same what you need to do when you have five people so and initially like you really just need to solve like the product market fit and if you do that then like everything else will kind of like take care of itself but if you actually fail at that, then it doesn't really matter what kind of structure you have because, you know, you, you have failed to create uh, anything that, uh, that people want to use. Uh. Well, thank you so much for spending some time with me today, Amir. I really appreciate it. I know there's quite the time difference, but it was really awesome to talk to you today. Well, it was my pleasure. I hope, you know, I have helped some people in, in this process. That's it for this episode of Running Remote. Thanks for joining us as we dive into the minds and processes of CEOs, managers, nomads, and dynamic entrepreneurs who are building impactful businesses and organizations through this new and innovative movement. We're a very small team behind this podcast, so if you liked what you heard, please subscribe, rate, and review, and share this episode with a friend. And definitely check us out at runningremote.com. Until next time.